Hello, my name is Teresa Gus, and I'm going to be talking to you today about my summer research using an artificial neural network to determine the degradation of acetaldehyde in a bioscrubber. My co-advisors for this research are Dr. Ali Hassan and Dr. Dvorak. So what exactly is a biotrickling filter? Well, it's a type of bioscrubber that uses a column, as seen in this photo, where polluted air will pass through it into this porous bed of packed media and microorganisms. The microorganisms will then take in the air pollutant and use an aerobic process to degrade it, producing CO2, water, and biomass. In this study, we had two columns, one at 21 degrees Celsius and the other at 60 degrees Celsius. Each column had six ports, starting all the way from the influent down into the effluent, and each of those ports measured the pollutant and CO2 concentration. But why exactly do we care about this? Well, many industries such as the ethanol industry use natural gas and water to treat hazardous air pollutants, while biotrickling filters can treat HAPs while reducing the use of natural gas because they don't use natural gas, making this method less expensive. So the data that I used was um, retrieved from previous research from a pilot biotrickling filter, and I used things such as the acetaldehyde concentration in each port, the CO2 concentration in each port, and this was done over a 178-day test period with differing concentrations of acetaldehyde, our pollutant. The goal of this project, my project, was to create an artificial neural network to model the degradation of HAPS in a pilot biotrickling filter, especially because the collection of all data can be time-intensive and complex while at an ethanol plant. An ANN can reduce the expense to collect and process this data. So what exactly is an artificial neural network? Well, it's a program that uses the inputs and the outputs of this bio-trickling filter to train a model, which then you can give it new inputs to predict what the outputs should be. And as you can see in each of these layers, they have a certain amount of neurons, which are these white dots, which pass information to the next layer and neuron all the way from the input to the output layer. And these connections show the significance of the neuron on the next one. So like, you, it weights how important this neuron is. Like this neuron may be more important than the next one. And for my data, I split the experimental data into 80% for uh, training and 20% for testing. That 80% training was then split again into 70% for training, 15% for validating, and 15% for testing the model. 
it's important to note that we had a limited amount of experimental data to train our artificial neural network, and usually this produces poor results. It can take a lot of information and training to produce a good working model. However, we decided to move forward with the artificial neural network because fundamental biokinetic models may not be able to simulate all of the complex components of the biotrickling filter operations. The results of the models showed that they were not robust. However, it did show the significance of the hyperparameters and parameters such as ports in series versus ports individually, the different training functions, none, the number of hidden layers, the number of hidden neurons, the different input contributions, and when looking at CO2 predicting acetaldehyde versus acetaldehyde predicting CO2. So a little bit of the summary for my modeling, you can see here in this table, it's the cold column looking at ports in series versus the individual ports with the different training functions, hidden layers, and hidden neurons. Unfortunately, the statistics for the individual port were not good enough to produce a working model. However, for ports in series, the data was good enough so then I graphed it, and you can see the predicted data versus the experimental data. They follow each other fairly well. And then from that, I was able to do a k-fold test, which shows how robust the model is. However, because this r-squared value was very low compared to the other r-squared values, the model was not considered robust. And then you can look at the contribution analysis. Here, the CO2 generation rate was very important for this model, while the operational cycle didn't contribute as much, so therefore was not as important. Some other conclusions we can draw from this was that I was able to produce a working model with a limited amount of data and this may be a cost-effective method for, for determining HAPS reduction in an ethanol plant, especially when using ambient air temperature and when using CO2 to predict acetaldehyde. Especially, this can especially be a cost-effective method because ethanol plants already monitor the CO2, so it's not going to be more expensive to measure the CO2 and predict the HAPS. And you can use CO2 as a surrogate for HAPS degradation. This also was able to show us that we may be able to apply this method of detection to current treatment technologies. And I'd like to take the time to thanks. Um to thank the Nebraska Center for Energy Sciences Research and NPPD for funding my research. I'd like to thank Dr. Dvorak and Dr. Ali Hassan for creating this project. And I'd like to thank Xiaobin Lee and Cameron Ramsey who played a large part in my understanding of artificial neural networks. Thank you.